You're listening to 88.9 WDBM. I'm Cameron Billis. This is the sixth edition of the Horsepower, where I'll be bringing you all your Pistons news. Big news happening over the weekend. Sunday afternoon, the Pistons fired first-year head coach Maurice Cheeks after, through the first 50 games, he went 21-29. and 29. Supposedly, this was 100% Tom Gorez's decision, who was unhappy with how the team was producing and wanted more immediate results. You know, this, this move was completely out of left field. You know, the Pistons this year, I've talked about this a lot on the show, were a team that have playoff admirations, and they've spent a lot of time recently in the lottery, that's not where moderately new owner Tom Gores wants to be. And, you know, this year when they hired Mo Cheeks, it was kind of an interesting decision because he's he's been a head coach before and he's done such a mediocre job that, you know, with other guys out there such as Lionel Hollins and George Carl, it didn't really seem like that great of a hire. But, you know, this was Joe Dumars' hire. Joe Dumars has been a huge Maurice Cheeks advocate and uh, reportedly wanted Cheeks to stay. And, uh, recently, last week, the Cleveland Cavaliers fired their general manager and not their head coach, Mike Brown. Pistons kind of taking notes from Cleveland except for hire- firing excuse me, firing their head coach and leaving Joe Dumars, their general manager, in his current position, which, you know, is very interesting to me and very disappointing. Joe Dumars has, since 2000, has had eight head coaches and he's made a lot of controversial signings. He's made a lot of controversial trades. Ben, the Ben Gordon signing didn't work out. The Charlie Villanueva signing didn't work out. The Josh Smith signing right now isn't looking very good. So, you know, whenever he's had money to play with free agents, they've all kind of been busts. Um, now, it's a little early to, to call Josh Smith a bust, and he's still one of the best players in the NBA, but he's on pace to have one of the worst three-point shooting seasons of all time, percentage-wise. He has been playing at the small forward position, which is almost unnatural to him because he spent so much time in Atlanta playing at the power forward position. And, you know, with the trade deadline coming up in just a few weeks, does Joe Dumars really deserve to be making more key decisions for this team? I mean, if it were me... If I was Tom Gorez, I would have fired Joe Dumars right with Cheeks. That was his move. Joe Dumars backed up Maurice Cheeks 100%. And, you know, a lot of people in this town back up Dumars because of what he's done for Detroit in the past, both as a player and as a GM, when he brought a championship to Detroit back in 2004. But, you know, we're past that. It's 2014, and this team has been this, this team has been a mess all season long, in a large part due to what Joe Dumars has done. I mean, a, a supposedly a big part of what got Maurice Cheeks fired was his animosity towards Will Bynum. If you don't know, the other day against the Orlando Magic, Cheeks and Bynum got in a verbal confrontation, where then Bynum was sat for the rest of the game from the second quarter and the following game after that. And, you know, supposedly Cheeks was never really in control of the locker room, never really had the respect of his guys, which has been a constant problem in Detroit, back dating back to John Kuster and Lawrence Frank. And it's it's been... The head coaching position has been a nightmare for the Detroit Pistons, and it all falls back to Joe Dumars. 
you know, he's the guy who runs the search. He's your general manager who's supposed to, you know, look beyond what the fan says, look beyond just what you see on television, and you're supposed to go in depth and do your due diligence and talk around the league and find out what you really need to know before you hire a coach. Now, clearly, Joe Dumars either has terrible sources that he keeps going back to, or he just doesn't know what he's doing. I'd like to think that it's the first one, but, you know, as of late, I, I'm honestly questioning his his basketball IQ. And, you know, this decision to fire Mo Cheeks came as a huge surprise to the team, as I've said a few times. Brandon Jennings tweeted while the rumors were floating around Twitter, quote, wait, what? End quote. And then he would later go on to tweet something along the lines of thanking Maurice Cheeks for his time in Detroit and helping his game. But, you know, this is absolutely huge news because the Pistons this season are the first team to fire their head coach in the middle of the season. Normally there's one to two, maybe sometimes three. But, you know, for a first-year head coach to only get 50 games and be in playoff contention because the East is so bad, even by having a record eight games under 500, is is kind of crazy. It shows how much Tom Gores wants to win, but it also shows kind of how dysfunctional this franchise is right now. In case you didn't hear, uh, John Lawyer a longtime assistant for the Pistons, was named the interim head coach, and he started off with his first game last night, beating the Spurs one, uh, 109-100, to 100. so John Lawyer is now 1-0. If you don't know much about him, he's a very colorful coach from watching him uh, work the sidelines last night. He's standing up the whole game, yelling at his players, giving them instructions, whether they were up 20 or whether they were up 2. Um, you know, he seems like a guy that the players can really connect with, uh, they seem to really respect him, and supposedly he's going to be the coach for the rest of the season, which to me does not make a whole lot of sense. It's, here, after hearing that, I asked myself, what was the point of firing Cheeks now then? For a short little bit, there was a rumor that the Pistons could target former Memphis Grizzlies head coach Lionel Hollins as their head coach to replace Cheeks immediately. Now... That would have been a good hire, and it would have made a lot of sense because Lionel Hollins is just sitting at home, not doing anything, unlike someone like George Carl, who's working for ESPN, and he would love to get back into coaching. And right now, the Pistons have zero competition to go after someone like Lionel Hollins because all other teams in the league have head coaches. So if you were to tell me that the Pistons fired Cheeks to go after someone like George Carl or Lionel Hollins, I would have said, okay, that makes sense. Sort of like what the Houston Texans did earlier in the year in football, where they sought after Bill O'Brien while the season was still going on, and they targeted him, they interviewed him, they liked him, and they ultimately hired him. Now, it still remains to be seen as to whether the Pistons organization is truthful as to whether or not John Lawyer will be the head coach for the rest of the season. I'm going to buy it. I think that he will be. But as soon as other positions open up, which you know that they will, because there will be a few coaches that will be fired after the season ends. Are the Pistons going to be the most lucrative team that someone like Lionel Hollins, who made it to the Western Conference Finals last year, can go to? I doubt it, and especially if Joe Dumars is still running the team, which if you don't know, he's in the last year of his contract and is in a lame duck situation where the Pistons currently aren't offering him a contract extension. 
thankfully, because he doesn't deserve it right now, but he's kind of working for his job to continue. So, again, I, I do think Lawyer end up, ends up staying for the rest of the year. He could be a great coach for this team. Um, that still remains to be seen. I think that he's worth giving a shot, but I think that you definitely should talk to guys who are available, who you could see coaching this team in the future right now and kind of taking the inside track uh, to their coaching career. And again, Joe Dumars should have nothing to do with hiring the next coach. Whether they're available, whether you have to wait till the offseason and somehow he miraculously keeps his job, he should have absolutely nothing to do with who the Pistons hire as their next coach. If you don't remember, Tom Gorez is good friends with Phil Jackson, the one of the best NBA coaches of all time. And Phil Jackson supposedly helped the Pistons with their latest coaching search back uh, this past offseason. Uh, you know, it was never really established uh, Jackson's thoughts on Maurice Cheeks. But people do know around the league that Cheeks was definitely a Dumars guy. So I'm kind of curious as to how much insight Jackson really gave and how much the Pistons really took it. It's an interesting thing. But again, Dumars just... Hopefully he's gone after this year. I'm I'm still worried about him making trade deadline decisions, but nothing really uh, I can do about that. So who are some long-term options for the Pistons' next head coach? Again, I named Lionel Hollins. Um, he's come out and said that he'd be interested in the job. His career record is 214 and 201. If you didn't know, he was let go from Memphis last season after new management came in and wanted their own guy. Uh, he finished last year with a record of 56 and 26. Very defensive-minded coach. He really did a great job of turning Memphis into a contender. They were kind of in the same situation of the of same situation as the Pistons, middle of the pack team who had a l- somewhat of potential. But you know, he grew Zach Randolph and Marcus Sewell into one of the best front courts in the NBA. And if he were to come in here, I think he could do pretty much the same thing with Andre Drummond and either Greg Monroe or Josh Smith. The Pistons have the talent in the front court. I have made that perfectly clear on this podcast. So, you know, I think he could come in and do a great job. uh, And that's definitely something that the Pistons are interested in. That's been reported. Supposedly, they haven't made any contact with him yet, but eventually they will. It's just a matter of time. Another name that I've mentioned already, George Carl who is also one of the premier coaches to ever coach in the NBA. He was fired after a great season last year with the Denver Nuggets, but they had a disappointing first-round playoff exit against the Golden State Warriors. His career record is 1,131 to 756, which is unbelievable. He runs a fast-paced style game, which is suitable to Detroit. You know, Maurice Cheeks, when he came here, and now John Lawyer, they, they do a good job of getting the Pistons up and down the court. So there's a lot of similarities there. Uh, George Carl actually made the playoffs 10 years in a row, which is an unbelievable feat and something that Detroit fans would love to do right now. A lot of Detroit fans remember back when the Pistons made the Eastern Conference Finals six years in a row. That was an unbelievable accomplishment, and we would love to get back to those days. And just making the playoffs now would be a great accomplishment for this team. Another name that 
you know, I haven't really heard mention, but could be an interesting target would be Phil Jackson. You know, this would be the ultimate long shot. Very unlikely. I'd give it about a point zero 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 one percent chance. But Phil Jackson and Tom Gores, the Pistons owner, are friends. And, you know, I could see this maybe more of an interim basis. You know, as a friend, Jackson might be willing to help Gores out for a year or two. Again, Jackson helped the Pistons with their coaching search this summer. And even if he doesn't want to coach again, which is very likely, Gores could think about hiring him for the GM job once Dumars is presumably gone after this uh, season. So that's something to keep in mind because uh, Phil Jackson has let the media know that he's very interested in a GM job. Another name out there, which we are all very familiar with, is Tom Izzo. This is another long shot, and all of you know how much Tom Izzo loves MSU. But I I do think he could consider it due to the chain uh, due to the chance to just coach in the NBA. You know, in talking about this earlier with a friend of mine, I I pointed out the similarity between Tom Izzo and Pete Carroll. Pete Carroll, who was a legend at USC and who had failed in the NFL before as a head coach, decided that he wanted to leave the place where he could have stayed his entire life and give the NFL another shot. Because why? Because it's the NFL. There's something about being an NFL head coach. Just like there's something about being an NBA head coach as compared to a college basketball head coach. Now, I'm not denying that Tom Izzo is one of the best college basketball coaches of all time. Tom Izzo could stay here for the rest of his career if he wanted to. But I think it would help him come to the NBA due to the fact that he's familiar with this town. It would still be in the same state, but only an hour apart from East Lansing. And... You know, he's been mentioned as an NBA candidate before. Obviously, that's never happened. You know, you, you got to think that that might be something he wants to try before his career ends. Oh, and also about Izzo, a lo- this is one of his, this season is one of the best chances for him to win a national title. And after that, Gary Harris is probably going pro. Adrian Payne's going pro. You know, this a lot of his talented players are going to, either go to the NBA or graduate and he doesn't have that strong of a freshman incoming class so this this could be the time for him to kind of potentially leave on top and go after his dream and at first it might upset upset Michigan State basketball fans but I think that they would respect his decision to potentially go pro now to his coaching style, Izzo has a very strong personality, and I think that could potentially hurt him. You know, if you watch him coach a game, he's very livid. He's very outgoing. He's yelling all the time, and, you know, he's trying to take control of the game, obviously. And that might not be something that NBA players who have much stronger personalities than college players who are still trying to learn want to deal with. Um, you know, he could definitely rub some guys the wrong way. Uh, that's been a problem for Detroit, as I've mentioned already, in the past. And so that'd be something to keep an eye on, because if you're going to hire Izzo, you want to hire him as him, not hire him and tell him, hey, tone it down a little bit. Um, you know, this is a different style of basketball. You can't go out there yelling your brains out at these players because they're not going to listen to you. I don't want that coach. So 
you know, that's definitely something to think about. Another name is Calvin Sampson. Many of you know him as the former Indiana Hoosiers head basketball coach. He's currently the Houston Rockets assistant coach, very highly guarded assistant in the NBA, who's expected to get a head coaching job very soon. He spent a little bit of time after he got in trouble with Indiana assisting the Milwaukee Bucks. His college head coaching record is 496 and 271. Uh, He's been in the NBA since the 2008-2009 season. Very... Very hot name in the NBA uh, coaching ranks right now. A lot of people expect him to get a head coaching job very soon. And his name's been linked to Detroit once or twice. Um, Obviously, nothing's come of that. But, you know, Calvin Sampson isn't going to be an assistant for very long. Has a very good track record uh, in the college ranks. And definitely could be a name that the Pistons target. Finally, um, the last name on my list is Chauncey Billups. You know, this might come as somewhat of a surprise considering that he's currently a player on the Pistons, but Chauncey's got a very high basketball IQ. Many people in the game consider him to be a future head coach. He's been pretty much a head coach on the court for years. He's so well respected by his peers. And, you know, you look at the Brooklyn Nets who just hired Jason Kidd right out of the gate with no coaching experience to be their head coach. He's not having a great year, but the expectations are a little bit different considering Brooklyn traded for Kevin Garnett and Paul Pierce over the summer, and they have Darren Williams and uh, Lopez, and you know they're, they were expected to compete for a title. In Chauncey's case, if he were to come here, he would be expected to win, but he wouldn't have quite the same amount of pressure on him as Jason Kidd had right away. And, uh, you know, player coaches can be risky. Um, You know, the Pistons tried it out with Michael Curry. It didn't work out too well. Curry also spent some time as an assistant coach. But, you know, guys, I, I think point guards see the game better than anyone else, obviously. Michael Curry was not a point guard. He was a forward. And... You know, Chauncey Billups would come in here and he would immediately have the respect of everyone playing for him. I think he's one of the smartest guys to ever play the game. There's a reason he's still in the game through all of his injuries. And, you know, I think he could definitely come in and do a very good job. Now, there's a lot of names that I didn't put on this list. That doesn't mean to, that doesn't mean that they won't potentially be candidates. I think there's a lot of names out there in... Uh, either the college ranks or assistants or former head coaches that could definitely be targets. This was just kind of something that I threw together real quick, just thinking off of who's been named already or who I could see as a potential fit, um, you know, as the search kind of is just getting started. But there's a lot of time left, I expect, before the Pistons hire their next head coach. And, you know, who exactly is Detroit going to be looking for? Do they want a guy with NBA experience? That's something that they talked about when they hired their head coach this past offseason with Maurice Cheeks. Are they willing to take a chance on an unknown credentialed NBA assistant such as Tom Thibodeau or uh, when they took a chance on John Kuster, who obviously didn't work out so well? Or do they want to go down the highly regarded college coach road? Brad Stevens just got hired by the Boston Celtics this past year. Or you could go for a guy like Rick Pitino or Bill Self or someone very similar to Brad Stevens and Shaka Smart. 
or again, you could go for the player coach, such as someone like Lindsey Hunter or Jason Kidd. Uh, you know, the way that the Pistons are trying to go, trying to become a playoff contender year in and year out, you'd probably want a guy with NBA experience. If I had to pick a coach right now who I'd want to coach the Pistons realistically, I'd probably pick George Carl. I mean, you make the playoffs 10 years in a row, that's all right by me. And, you know, it was 10 years in a row, and he's made the playoffs so many other times before that in Milwaukee, and, you know, he's had a great coaching career, and I really like his style of uh, basketball. Now, that brings up the question, do, pe- do people want Detroit to win or to tank? Uh, our first round pick this year is only top eight protected. It's to Charlotte. Um, back when the Pistons traded Ben Gordon to the Bobcats, we traded our first round pick along with it. So basically, if the Pistons get a pick in the top eight, they keep it. If not, they give it to Charlotte. So, you know, in a draft class that's incredibly deep with Andrew Wiggins and Joel Embiid, Jabari Parker, there's a lot to like at the top of the class. And guys like Adrian Payne and potentially Nick Stauskas or Glenn Robinson III in the middle. You know, this is would be a tough year to lose your draft pick. Now, on one hand... Losing means more than likely that Joe Dumars is out, which a lot of fans would be very happy with, including myself. Winning could mean that he's back. And the Pistons have a very, very slim chance of making noise in the playoffs, even if they make it. So would losing the first round pick even be worth it? On one hand, you have someone arguing that getting guys like Andre Drummond, Greg Monroe, and Contavious Caldwell-Pope experience in the playoffs, whether they get swept or whether they lose in seven, or whether they make it to the Eastern Conference Finals, would be great experience for them. Now, there are other people that think, well, because they don't have a shot, because Indiana and Miami are too good, it's kind of a waste of you losing your draft pick. I'm kind of on the fence. I would like to see the Pistons make the playoffs just because I'm a big Pistons fan. I think it'd be good for the city. I think it would be good for potential free agents I think it'd be good now that you're looking for a head coach to kind of see that this team has potential so uh currently the Pistons are tied for eighth place but if the playoffs started today they would not make it due to Charlotte owning the tiebreaker um speaking of Greg Monroe the trade deadline's coming up and he's been a hot name on uh the rumor mill supposedly the only way the Pistons are going to trade Greg Monroe if if it is in some sort of blockbuster type deal Um, A lot of experts do not expect Monroe to be moved. And news came out the other day that said the Pistons would match any offer Greg Monroe gets this summer as a restricted free agent, even if it is the max. Now, that doesn't mean that the Pistons would would keep him the whole time of that contract. They could trade him then uh, at some point later, or they could trade Josh Smith, which ultimately they will have to trade one of them because they're just not working together. But, you know, Greg Monroe has been a very solid player for Detroit, one of the best low-post scorers in the league, not a very good defender, but, you know, his footwork and passing ability in the post down low on offense is something that a lot of big men would admire. And, you know, with his name being mentioned so, so much on the block, it brings up the question, are the Pistons buyers or sellers? And, you know, with this whole Joe Dumars thing being in a lame duck situation and his choice for coach just got fired and, 
you know, no one really knows what Gore has said to Dumars behind closed doors, but, you know, if it's his last year, you'd think that he would try and buy because he wants to try and keep his job. But if Gorez is kind of undermining him and making decisions like firing Cheeks, is that something that Dumars will just want to sit by and watch? Or will he kind of look for another job and, you know, kind of sell the Pistons off? I could easily see the Pistons standing still and doing nothing. But ultimately, I do think that they have some assets in Rodney Stuckey and Charlie Villanueva and one of Josh Smith or Greg Monroe. I think one of those three pieces at least moves. I could also see Will Bynum being moved and giving Peyton Siva a chance to play. But, you know, there's a lot the Pistons can do uh, in the next few weeks. The trade deadline is February 20th. So it's coming up fairly quick. There's a lot the Pistons could do. You know, no one really knows, I guess, if they are buyers or sellers. But, uh, you know, the more games that they play up until that point, the more that that will kind of come into play. Finally, uh, the NBA All-Star game is this weekend. Andre Drummond did not make the team kind of an all-star snub, in my opinion. And I'm going to talk quickly about uh, each kind of event that happens in the all-star game. First off, I'm going to start with the Rising Stars game. Andre Drummond uh, is on Grant Hill's team. There's Team Hill for Grant Hill and Team Weber for Chris Weber, both former Pistons. On Team Hill is Damian Lillard, Bradley Beal, Drummond, Harrison Barnes, Terrence Jones, Giannis Antetokounmpo uh, from the Milwaukee Bucks, Jonas Valanciunas, Dion Waiters, and Pero Antic. On Team Weber is Anthony Davis, Michael Carter-Williams, Tim Hardaway Jr., Trey Burke, Jared Sullinger, Mason Plumley, Victor Oladipo, Stephen Adams, and Kelly Olynyk. You know, just look by looking at the rosters, I think I'm going to give the edge to Team Hill. They have a lot more experience. They only have two rookies on their team, where Team Weber consists of mostly rookies. Team Hill's very balanced. They got a great point guard in Lillard. They have a great center in Drummond, who has matched up very well in the past against Anthony Davis. I just think their experience comes into play more, and ultimately Team Hill gets the victory in that one. In the skills competition, they the NBA decided to mix it up a little bit this year. They made the skills competition and the dunk contest uh, kind of a team competition. For the Eastern Conference, Team 1 is Antetokounmpo for the Bucks and DeMar DeRozan. On Team 2 is Michael Carter-Williams and Victor Oladipo. In the Western Conference, there's Trey Burke and Damian Lillard on one team. And on Team 2 is Goran Dragic and Reggie Jackson. For the East, I like the combination of Carter-Williams and Oladipo. I think Carter-Williams is great passer, good ball handler. Oladipo's starting to learn the ranks. But for Team 1 with DeRozan and the Greek Freak from Milwaukee, you know, those both kind of shooting guards and small forwards who normally aren't as big of ball handlers and passers, and passing's a big part of the competition. Uh, in the Western Conference, I really like Goran Dragic, but I really like the combination of Lillard and Burke a little bit more. I think Burke brings more to the table than Jackson, so I'm going to go with Lillard and Burke ultimately winning the whole thing. In the three-point contest, representing the Eastern Conference is Aaron Aflalo, Bradley Beal, Kyrie Irving, and Joe Johnson. In the Western Conference is Marco Bellinelli, Steph Curry, Damian Lillard, and Kevin Love. Very talented three-point squad this year. Uh, I really like what the Western Conference brings. Bellinelli's very underrated three-point shooter. 
Not a lot of people know who he is, especially since he plays for San Antonio, and last year he played for the Chicago Bulls. Ultimately, I think either Bellinelli or Steph Curry comes away with a victory in this one. Curry's one of the best shooters I've ever seen. Uh, you know, he can make it from anywhere on the court. And again, Bellinelli's a guy who's kind of under the radar. So I would look for one of those two to come out with the footlocker three-point contest victory. And the Sprite Slam Dunk Contest, again, there's kind of new rule changes to it this year. It starts off with a team competition. The competition will feature two unique rounds of dunks. Both rounds will be team-based. There's a freestyle round where the three dunkers for each conference will have a 90-second time limit for all three of them to participate in a freestyle dunk exhibition featuring an unlimited number of dunks. Each dunker must make at least one dunk attempt during the freestyle round. Dunkers can attempt dunks in any order they determine and are free to assist each other. The East team will dunk first, followed by the West. After both teams compete, the panel of three judges will review their performances and submit a vote by selecting East or West. The conference team with the higher number of judges' votes in the freestyle round will be given the choice of order for dunks in the battle round. The battle round will consist of head-to-head matchups pitting the East Dunkers versus the West Dunkers. Each Dunker will be limited to three attempts to complete a battle round dunk. The panel of judges will decide the winner of each head-to-head battle by choosing East or West. Upon losing a head-to-head battle, the losing Dunker is eliminated from competition. The first conference to win three head-to-head battles will win the battle round and be crowned Slam Dunk Champions. If a fourth or ultimately a fifth head-to-head battle is necessary to determine the winner. The remaining players from each conference will compete in the same order in which they began the battle round. So, a new kind of twist to the NBA dunk contest this year. Uh, After reading the rules, I kind of like it. Um, A lot of people say that dunking is an individual thing, so it doesn't really make a whole lot of sense to put a team aspect to it. From that aspect, I agree but I do like how in the battle round, the players are limited as to how many dunk attempts they have. I think three might be a little bit too many, and I've never been a huge fan of the dunk contest because of the amount of time that these players get to keep trying dunks, even though they keep failing them until the last second. And you know, something that kind of bothers me about the dunk contest is fans constantly complain about how the stars won't, won't do the contest. And, you know, that's somewhat understandable because it is a star-driven league and people want to see the brightest and best perform. But, you know, there's some very talented dunkers out there who no one has ever heard about, such as a guy on the Pistons like Tony Mitchell, who, if he were to be in this dunk contest, I'd put money on him to win for sure. Um, I've seen some of the vines that him and his teammates have put up of him dunking, and they are unbelievable. So, you know, I think people kind of need to settle down about the whole get LeBron to the dunk contest and stuff like that because uh, I'd like to see the best dunkers, not the best players. Now, finally, for the actual All-Star game, uh, it's Sunday night, February 16th at 8 p.m. The starting lineups for each team for the Eastern Conference is Kyrie Irving, Dwayne Wade, Carmelo Anthony, Paul George, and LeBron James. For the Western Conference, you have Steph Curry, Kevin Durant, Blake Griffin, Kevin Love, and Kobe Bryant was voted as a starter, but since he is hurt, he will not be playing, and Anthony Davis replaced him. Uh, the Eastern Conference reserves have DeMar DeRozan, Joe Johnson, John Wall, Chris Bosh, Paul Millsap, Roy Hibbert, and Joe Kim Noah. While the Western Conference reserves are James Harden, Damian Lillard, Tony Parker, Chris Paul, LaMarcus Aldridge, Anthony Davis, Dirk Nowitzki, and Dwight Howard. 
I think the Western Conference wins it this year. I think that they have a great balance of guards and forwards, and ultimately they're just more skilled. Um, I really like what their bench brings to the table. I love Tony Parker. I love Chris Paul. Chris Paul is going to be extra motivated because it's in New Orleans. That's where he played uh, a lot of his NBA games back before he got traded to the Clippers. So I think the West comes away with this. And also a real quick interesting fact before we wrap it up here. Damian Lillard is participating in all five All-Star Weekend events this year. So he's going to be a very busy person. Uh, first person to do that ever. So, um, you know, I wish him the best. It's a shame that more Pistons couldn't get involved this year, but, you know, they have a lot of young stars and some big-time all-stars on the horizon. This is 88.9 WDBM Impact Sports. This has been the sixth edition of the Horsepower. You can get all your Pistons and MSU Sports News through the Impact Sports website www.impact89fm.org backslash sports. I'm Cameron Billis. Thanks for listening.